I know that uh, whenever any of us, individually, and I can speak for myself, goes through crushing circumstances, we feel that our minds really play havoc on us. Uh, our imagination runs wild, and our hearts sometimes get unglued. As I said, I speak from personal experience. For it's no doubt that we can doubt in the dark all of the truth that so confidently accept in the daylight. And of course, Satan uses his power during those opportunities, those times, he uses them to attack our faith and paralyzes us. Both I and others around you can ex who have experienced this, who have gone through some crushing circumstances that we all face from time to time. And the truth is, whenever we get locked in in that straitjacket of doubt, then we allow Satan to defeat us. Hear me right, please. Satan cannot, cannot, cannot steal our salvation from us. Amen. But he can render us ineffective. No matter how small you feel your effectiveness is, and no matter how big you feel your effect, no matter how sometimes you feel that you're impact or your service is, is so insignificant. Listen carefully. From God's eyes, there is no service and ministry that is insignificant. From God's eyes, who have given you a spiritual gift, expect every one of us to use our spiritual gift, and He is the one who will reward us for that. Now, the same thing happened when it comes to global and prophetic times and prophetic events. We can look at these events and we can look at these global things that are going on around us, as you've just heard, and we see them as insurmountable problems. What can little old me do? I can't do anything about this. This is too big for me. What? I can't do anything about it. And so we withdraw into our safe zones. In our safe zones, we do nothing, we say nothing, we accomplish nothing, and Satan loves it. And that is why the title of this series really came after a lot of prayer, prayerful consideration. And you know the title of this message, Our God Always What? Our God always wins is not something that just arbitrary came up with it. Because if you study the epistles of Paul, the letters of Paul very closely, and you're not necessarily looking at the context, which I always encourage you to do, but if you look in general and you look at the writings of Paul, the letters that he's written, whether the Corinthians, the Thessalonians, or the Ephesians, whatever those letters are, there's some general theme in all of these letters whether those churches facing individual problems or facing 
global problem, whatever it is, you always see the Apostle Paul seeking to uplift the recipients of his letter. You always see him endeavoring to remind them that God is sovereign. He labors at emphasizing that our God always what? So when the Thessalonian believers in the church in Thessaloniki, just outside of, uh, in Greece, when the Thessalonians feeling they're going through crushing circumstances, and they were, they were going through a crushing circumstance at the time, and it was a combination, combination of severe persecution that they were facing, and the consequence of listening to false teachers and false teaching, that combination got them really discobobbled, as we say. Here you see them in, 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 the, in, 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 in this particular epistle, and in every epistle, what the Apostle Paul does, he fights lies with the truth. Beloved, that's the only way. You fight lies with the truth. What happened? Some false teachers came after Paul founded the church of Thessaloniki, in Thessaloniki, <laughs> and, and they came and they said to them, the return of the Lord already happened, and you are left behind. Well, just think about how devastating that is. I mean, they're suffering in the name of Jesus. They are experiencing crushing times, and then they they felt devastated with this false teaching because they said that we missed out. And Paul assures them, 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verses 1 to 5. If you have that passage in front of you, keep it open. I'm going to come back to it. 2 Thessalonians, or as I say in England, 2 Thessalonians, chapter 2, verses 1 to 5. Here's what he said. I'm going to read it later. He said, that day, the return of the Lord will not take place until the man of lawlessness is revealed, fighting lies with the truth. And this is a a, a law. I'm going to show you. This is not just an idea that Paul came up with. It goes all the way back to the book of Daniel. I'm going to show you. I left you in the last message, those of you who are here, and if you went, please download the message, because these three messages, and I've got to tell you something, it's probably the greatest attack I've ever received on any series of messages. It's the most intense, intensive experience in my, in my preparing of this, these three messages. I'll conclude with the Tower of Babel next Sunday, next week. But I left you the message of the knowledge of how so many anti-God forces that are working throughout the globe. We see it and we feel it here in America, but trust me, it is even more intense in Europe, in Australia, in Canada, in other parts of the world. These anti-Christ forces are anti-Christ with small a, small a. As John says in his epistles, there are many antichrists. It's all small a. But these antichrist forces with the small a 
are preparing the way for the Antichrist with capital A. Now, we are seeing how now this global group that you just heard the head of it uh, on the screen. Uh, this, this is a group of very wealthy, very powerful people from around the world uh, who convene every winter in a little town in Davos, Switzerland. It's a small town, and just think, when 800 private jets descend on, on that place, every year, 1,000 people who feel that they are the ones who are to bring about the long-awaited and the longed-for one world government. This World Economic Forum holds vast influence. Uh, all you just do, Google BlackRock, and you'll see how many companies are involved in this. Massive amount of, of, of wealth and power throughout the world. Uh, but listen very carefully. These people may ethnically differ. Um, they may politically even differ. But they're united on one thing, and that is creating of one world government. But our God always what? As I showed you in the last message, that these people are basically preparing the world for the coming of the Antichrist with capital A. But the Bible says that after the Antichrist comes, the Lord Jesus is going to return, and He's going to smite him and destroy him and his master Satan forever. <clears throat> Just Just to help me out, I'm going to ask you, raise your hand if you heard the term, the Great Reset. If you just heard the term, oh my goodness gracious. Well, you are a most educated and informed congregation, I think. <clears throat> there is. What is that Great Reset? And I'm telling you, they, uh, they, they will deliberately confuse you if you really want to find out. But I'm going to tell you what the Great Reset is in a very simple way. Very simple way. Uh, you don't have to read all the books and all the stuff. It is the epiphany. It is the revelation that occurred to them as a result of watching what happened during the lockdown of the pandemic COVID-19. According to this man you saw on television, Klaus Schwab, COVID-19, great lockdown, provided the World Economic Forum with a picture of how to control the world. It is complicated theory, and again, they double talk. It really is, I mean, it's a lot of double talk. And it's written, he's written a book about it. But let me give you the bare bones so you don't have to waste your time. When the whole world sheep-like followed orders by being locked down because of the pandemic, this became a model for them to bring about the global change that they believe should take place. And this global change uh, that took place during COVID-19 may have been impossible to even contemplate prior to 2020. But now you do. Ah, oh, but now people are willing to do anything out of fear. So they got the handle on it. Now, 
we can have permanent global lockdown. Think about this. That you can stay home while they're watching you from their computer, operating on your computer. <clears throat> we have a permanent, permanent lockdown. Don't go out. <laughs> and they want to do this with global taxation system, with a global agricultural policy, with econo global economic policy, and on and on and on. Schwab said, and I quote, now societies could be poised to accept authoritarianism and inclusivity. Look at the screen. This is his daughter, Nicole, Klaus Schwab's daughter, and her name is Nicole. She's a member of the executive committee of the World Economic Forum. She's talking about the permanent lockdown. The world population permanently get locked down. What is that more important reason than a pandemic for the world to be permanently locked down? Ah, it's the crisis of climate change. We can save the climate. We can save the planet if we lock everybody in their houses. <laughs> Let me quote what she said. COVID was a tremendous opportunity. Of course it was. <laughs> to test how, public were, public, how the public would comply with World Economic Forum plans to usher in the Great Reset. Under the guise of saving the planet from climate change, we need to lock everybody in their homes forever. And meanwhile, as people are locked down, the Antichrist is going to rise to power. Now, she didn't say that. I'm telling you this because she, they don't even believe the Bible. They don't like the Bible. As you saw in the video in the last message, again, if you weren't here, please download it. They will be aided and abetted by improvement uh, of tracking and surveillance of technology, technology that helped them overcome any political resistance against their program. You know who the ones that they really like to work most about, work on most, anyone else in the world? America. They feel America is that kind of pesky uh, group of people or population who, who like this freedom. They want freedom. They love their freedom, freedom of speech, freedom of... So we've got to break America first, then we're going to get the rest of the world. Read some of their material. But there's more to this great reset. I want you to think. Now, so younger people, please listen to me. Ask your grandparents, okay? Because you won't be able to do what I'm going to ask you to do. <laughs> I want you to think back 50 years ago, okay? Where we were 50 years ago and where we are now. Um, I'm talking about where we were ethically, morally, and in every other way. And think of where we are now. Western culture is forced to accommodate to the whims and the fantasies of a tiny, tiny few. A tiny few who are now in control of the media and vast parts of the economy and education. There is not a single show, whether from Australia, whether from 
uh, England or from Canada or the United States that does not have something about LGBTQRXYZ. <laughs> it has to be there now in order to be accepted. Also, we saw in the last message, these so-called ancient gods are raising their ugly head again after they've been in the wilderness for nearly 2,000 years. And the reason they disappeared, or at least went into, uh, a high, uh, uh, went into uh, uh, exile for nearly 2,000 years, not quite, but nearly 2,000 years, these gods that were so uh, prevalent during the Old Testament times that gave God's people the hardest time, the most difficult time, the biggest temptation, all these gods went away for nearly 2,000 years. Why? Because of the preaching of the gospel in Roman Empire at the time, and then the West after that. We saw the rise of Baal and Baal worship, and that came many decades ago. Uh, Baal basically gets people to focus on materialism and prosperity. Now, remember, God is the one who prospers. God loves to prosper His faithful children but they said, take your eyes off the one who prosper you. Focus on the prosperity itself as an end in itself. Once Baal came in and opened the door to that kind of thinking, the second god of the, or goddess of, of, of that evil trinity that we read about in the Old Testament over and over and over again was ushered in. I'm talking about the goddess, the queen of heaven, they called her, who is associated with the moonlight. In Western world, it was known as Venus, because that's the last of its appearance in Roman, in, in, in a Roman culture. She's the goddess of sexuality. Now, let me give you a little bit of trivia here. The planet Venus was thus named because of its association with love. This goddess of the ancient world was renowned for her emotional demands and fierce carnality. She is given to raging romance, full of unbridled passion and insatiable sexual desire. Uh, if offended or shunned, she would become vengeful and violent. This goddess was known as a transgressor of standards and of conventions. Um, she demanded and took from other gods, so-called. The ancient mythology, she literally scammed and stole what belongs to other gods when they're not watching. But that's not all. She was the goddess of prostitution. And that is why you read in the Bible again and again and again and again, sometimes I just marvel at God's patience about the temple prostitutes. You read about it again and again of how evil people came and tempted God's people into falling in that evil practice. From this pagan practice came what became known as sacred sex or sacred prostitution. This is the pagan goddess whom the Bible called Ishtar or Ashtaroth in plural. In the Canaanite mythology, she was connected to Baal as his consort, 
or his lover. To the Greek, she became Aphrodite. Uh, and don't ever forget, don't ever forget, don't ever forget. Whatever names these gods are called, they're the same ones. They're the same storefront for Satan and demonic forces. They're storefront. There's no such thing as these gods and goddesses. Satan set them up. I'm going to show you why he did this. Because from the very beginning, Satan wanted to be worshipped instead of God. From the very beginning, that's why he got kicked out of heaven. And when he failed, he shifted and sought the worship of these pagan uh, individuals and cultures through these so-called gods. Listen to me. We're all designed, scheme designed by Satan in order to keep people living in terror and fear of these gods. I have seen and experienced firsthand in India how terrified of these gods. I remember one time in one specific area where there was a goddess called Maisama, and they were terrified of her, terrified. You see, that way, people remain as Satan's slaves. That's how he does it, under the control. But please listen to me. Please listen to me. Those of us who have been set free from the clutches of Satan and sin, we have no fear of him. Did you get that? Those of us who know the Lord Jesus Christ washed by His blood, we have no fear. To us, He is a defeated foe. He's a toothless lion. He is no match to the Lion of Judah. And therefore, my beloved friends, our preaching, our witness, our, 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 our testimonies, our prayers should be fueled by the power of the Holy Spirit to do what? to set the captives free, to proclaim the power of the cross, to declare that Jesus and only Jesus saves. And my beloved friends, we must let the world know that no one can sin beyond the reaches of the grace of Jesus Christ. No one. You're watching around the world here in this beautiful sanctuary. Know this. This is the Bible from cover to cover. No one can sin beyond the reaches of the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. No one. When this dreadful slave trader who did horrible things, when he was confronted by the grace of Jesus, he could say what we just sang. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved the rich like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found. Was blind, but now I see. In these last days where the world is gripped by so many evil powers, the faithful remnant cannot, cannot, cannot say it with me, cannot, cannot sit on their blessed assurance and do nothing. More than ever before, our prayer, our giving, our serving, doing whatever God calls us to do, and every one of us is called of God to do something. 
It is all to reach the lost that the lost can be found, and so that the blind can see, and that the dumb can speak, and the deaf can hear in the power of Jesus' name. I don't know when Mac wrote that song. I used to run with it on the treadmill before I ever met Mac. <laughs> it's a great song. It's biblical from cover to cover. Now, sadly today, instead of Christians enjoying the battle, knowing that Jesus already won it, right? And, and therefore, do it with confidence. There are some churches have joined the enemy forces. Some have joined the enemy forces. Baal and Ashtaroth invaded so many cold churches. And as I said, Baal was seen in the ancient world as Ashtaroth's lover or husband. And in the ancient mythology, Baal prepares the way for Ashtaroth. And so, first comes in, divert people's attention from the blesser to the blessing. And once he bought into this in the last 50, 60 years or so, then he ushers in Ashtaroth, the goddess of sensuality. Go from materialism and prosperity, believing that this is what, what it's all about as an end to themselves. Once our eyes are shifted, once society's eyes are shifted to the prosperity itself that only God can truly give us, then he has prepared the way for Ashtaroth, the goddess of sensuality, to come in. Once Baal opened the door for Ashtaroth to move in, with, she moves in with viciousness, with militant uh, 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 gesture, with sexual perversion. That way, Ashtaroth comes into a fertile ground already been prepared by Baal to unbridled sexuality, unbridled licentiousness, unbridled decadence. And the so-called Baal ushers the goddess Ashtaroth, and she ushers Moloch. The god Moloch is the god who demands children sacrifice. Children be sacrificed. I'll tell you more about this. Can you see the pattern here? Can you see it in America? Can you see it in the West? Once materialism, prosperity become our focus, sensuality moves in, and finally children are offered as a sacrifice to the goddess and the god of the transgender. Children mutilation. I want to explain that in a minute. In America, bringing in the, beginning in the 60s, we slowly but surely began as a culture and as a nation to move away from the one true God, thus opening the door first to Baal, then Ashtoreth, the goddess of sexuality. First they said, all we need is acceptance, all we need is equality with biblical sexuality. And no sooner than the gullible acquiesced to that demand, then Ashtoreth revealed her true nature of altering biblical standards, altering biblical morality, and altering biblical ethics. And all have surrendered to the tolerance of all sorts of sexual perversions. Church after church, denomination after denomination, 
have surrendered to Ashtaroth and invited her into the very leadership of these denominations. Would you believe me when I tell you, listen carefully, there was another sexual revolution in history. There was another sexual revolution in history that took place some years ago. Yes, it took place in the Roman Empire, in the Western world. It was the revolution by which biblical sexuality and biblical ethics and biblical morality invaded the pagan world and replaced all of these false gods and false demons. How? By the preaching of the gospel. By preaching of the gospel. Oh, God, may it happen again. May it happen again. The casting, the casting of these so-called gods and goddesses, Ashtoreth, uh, Aphrodite in the Greek and Venus in the Roman culture. They're all the same name of, name of the same demon. It can happen again when we return to biblical morality and godly morality. It can happen again. How? Beloved, listen to me. I've studied enough history to know. Only by the preaching of the pure gospel of Jesus Christ can we do this again. Why do you think at my age I'm traveling the world preaching the gospel? Do you think I enjoy standing in lines and the security and taking my clothes off and my shoes off? And go through? Do you think I enjoy traveling? My wife tells you I don't. But make no mistake about it, that this sexual perversion, this sexual gender confusion, this goddess of sexual confusion that we are experiencing right now, can only be overcome by a far greater power than all these demonic Ashtoreths and Aphrodites and Venus, and it's the power of the resurrected Jesus. One last thing I need to tell you about this goddess, according to ancient mythology, it has new, it had Dual nature. Dual nature. This is very important for us today. Please listen. On the one hand, she was a goddess of love, beauty, allurement, and female sexuality. On the other hand, she embodied fierce, aggressive, violent, and destructive character, which often ascribed to masculinity. She was one entity that embodied both the feminine and the masculine traits. In fact, ancient Mesopotamia record, uh, she's quoted to have said, I am a woman, I am a man. Are we surprised, therefore? Are we surprised when these government officials are nominated to hold some of the highest office in the land and they go before the Senate for confirmation? And one senator would ask, can you define what a woman is? A Supreme Court candidate. Can you define what a woman is? She said, no. No. No response. No explanation. No answer. To turn men into women and women into men is the very essence of the goddess Ashtaroth, who has invaded our society. It was Ashtaroth's nature 
to cross the boundaries, break down conventions, and blur distinctions, and merge the opposites. Why? In order to create confusion, confusion, confusion. And beloved, confusion is Satan's tool to hasten the appearance of his puppet, the Antichrist. But our God always what? Back to where I started with the Apostle Paul. I hope you have that passage still open in front of you of 2 Thessalonians, the epistle, second epistle to the Thessalonians. When the Thessalonians were confused, as I already mentioned in the beginning, about the return of Christ, Paul taught, taught them and he teaches us something that we need to take to heart, something we must remember, not just on occasion, not on Sunday, but always remember. Again, look at the passage, verses 1 to 5. Here's what he said. The return of Christ will happen when the rebellion occurs and the man of lawlessness is revealed, the man doomed to destruction. Beloved, God always what? In the original Greek, what the NIV translated as uh, uh, the rebellion, it also can be translated as apostasy or, or the falling away, the falling away. This, my beloved friends, is a referent, reference to great global rejection of the truth of God, particularly for people who are in churches. When a woman pastor, like it happened two weeks ago, says to her congregation, I had two abortions every time I felt the presence of God, and therefore abortion is not a sin, it's not wrong. This is Moloch worship at its best, or it should be its worst. I don't know about you, but that tells me that the return of the Lord is also around the corner. And therefore, lift up your heads. Lift up your heads. The day of redemption is drawing nigh. When Paul writing this epistle, he's writing it to believers in Thessaloniki. And most of the people in that Thessalonian church, they were Jewish. They were Jewish converts to Christianity. In fact, read about it for yourself, so you don't have to take my word for it, in Acts chapter 17, how the church was founded. And so when he wrote to this primarily Jewish congregation who are Messianic believers now, when he was writing to them, they were all acquainted with the Old Testament regarding the man of lawlessness. They're very familiar with it. He didn't have to go and explain it to them because they're already familiar with it. They all understood and comprehended from Daniel chapter 9, verses 20 to 27, which contained the original Gabriel's prophecy of the Antichrist. This is the same person that you read about in Daniel four or five hundred years before Christ. Daniel chapter 9. It's the same person our Lord Jesus Christ himself talked about in what we know as the Olivet Discourse. That's in Matthew 24 and 25. Yes, 
Jesus quoted the Old Testament. Jesus did not get unhitched from the Old Testament. Jesus believed the Old Testament. Here's what Jesus said. So when you see standing in the holy place the abomination spoken through the prophet Daniel. Our God always what? John, the revelator in his book of Revelation, he refers to that same person as the beast. But do not forget, do not forget, please I beg you, do not forget, do not forget that Christ will appear and he will destroy the Antichrist. And so I go back as I finish to the beginning. Paul's desire was to comfort the believers, not confuse them. He sought to encourage them, not unsettle them. He longed to correct the errors that the false teachers have inflicted on them and to restore the joy they've lost because of these false teachers. Oh, beloved, listen to me. In absolute humility before God, I am no Apostle Paul. God knows my heart. I'm a flawed man in every way. But in every ounce of humility, that is exactly what I want to do as your pastor. It's exactly what I long to do. You will hear things that are going to confuse you. You're going to hear things that are going to disturb you. You come here, and I want to lift you up to the very throne room of God. Why? Because false teaching leads to anxiety and fear. False teaching leads people into disobeying the truth of the Scripture. False teaching causes discouragement and, 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 and disheartenment. So listen to me as I finish. Deception abound. I don't have to tell you that. Deception abound. Abound. But you stand for the truth. You uphold the truth. You speak the truth. You proclaim the truth. And let me remind you of this as I close. The truth is not determined by emotions or even by the crushing circumstances or a persuasive, smooth-talking, great communicating preacher. The truth is determined only, only, only by the Word of God. Can I get an amen? Will you pray with me, please? Lord Jesus, who is the only truth, life, the way, the truth, and the life. Lord Jesus, who have redeemed every one of your children, who called them before the foundation of the earth, who knew them by name, I pray your Holy Spirit would descend upon every heart Father, I pray that you would strengthen shaken knees and trembling hearts, 
give them courage, remove fear and anxiety, remind us that you always, always, always win and that we are on the winning side. 